Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. It's a beautiful October morning. It's nice and cool. That awful weather we had last week is gone. And I'm out taking a walk. I'm walking through some medium high grass right now. So hopefully we'll not come upon any snakes. We shall see. I just ran a mile and I have all kinds of thoughts going through my head that I wanted to get out. I want to talk about how the idea of private property is so important to freedom. And along with that, that if people who don't own anything are much less likely to fight for freedom. So, I was thinking earlier about how part of the Great Reset, one of the things they say, and this was, this was just actually a fictional story that a World Economic Forum blog writer, content writer, whatever you want to call her, she wrote a story about the future. And in the future, she said that she didn't own anything and that she was happy. And that, that phrase, you will own nothing and you'll be happy, kind of got seized on, you know, by, you know, people who make videos and stuff. And it took a little bit of digging to actually find what she wrote. And when I get back to my computer, I will read it to you. Because it's pretty, pretty terrifying. <laughs> well, I don't know. Thanks. Okay, I found the article. And it was written by Ida Aukin. And it was, the date on this um, is November 10th, 2016. And the title of it is Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Yes, that's actually what it says. Okay, now I found this on Forbes.com dash sites dash World Economic Forum, and I will put the link in the show notes because it's kind of hard to find. Okay, another for starting now, this is what the article says. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city? I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't in own any appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. First, communication became digitized and free to everyone. 
Then, when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we would, we could call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. We started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker, and more convenient than the car. Now I can hardly believe that we accepted congestion and traffic jams, not to mention the air pollution from combustion engines. What were we thinking? Sometimes I use my bike when I go to see some of my friends. I enjoy the exercise and the ride. It kind of gets the soul to come along on the journey. Funny how some things never seem to lose their excitement. Walking, biking, cooking, drawing, and growing plants. It makes perfect sense and reminds us of how our culture emerged out of a close relationship with nature. In our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using our free space whenever we do not need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I am not there. Once in a while, I will choose to cook for myself. It is easy. The necessary kitchen equipment is delivered at my door within minutes. Since transport became free, we stopped having all those things stuffed into our home. Why keep a pasta maker and a crepe cooker crammed into our cupboards? We can just order them when we need them. This also made the breakthrough of the circular economy easier. When products are turned into services, no one has an interest in things with a short lifespan. Everything is designed for durability, repairability, and recyclability. The materials are flowing more quickly in our economy and can be transformed to new products pretty easily. Environmental problems seem far away since we only use clean energy and clean production methods. The air is clean, the water is clean, and nobody would dare to touch the protected areas of nature because they constitute such value to our well-being. In the cities, we have plenty of green space and plants and trees all over. I still do not understand why in the past we filled all free spots in the city with concrete. Shopping? I can't really remember what that is. For most of us, it has been turned into choosing things to use. Sometimes I find this fun, and sometimes I just want the algorithm to do it for me. It knows my taste better than I do by now. When AI and robots took over so much of our work, we suddenly had time to eat well, sleep well, and spend time with other people. The concept of rush hour makes no sense anymore since the work that we, can, that we do can be done at any time. I don't really know if I would call it work anymore. It is more like thinking time, creation time, and development time. For a while, everything was turned into entertainment, and people did not want to bother themselves with difficult issues. It was only at the last minute that we found out how to use all these new technologies for better purposes than just killing time. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city, those we lost on the way, those who decided that it became too much, all this technology, 
Those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs. Those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live different kind of lives outside of the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in the empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think, and dream of is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. All in all, it is a good life. Much better than the path we were on, where it became so clear that we could not continue with the same model of growth. We had all these terrible things happening. Lifestyle diseases, climate change, the refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest, and unemployment. We lost way too many people before we realized that we could do things differently. Okay, that's the end of the article. It says at the bottom, This blog was written ahead of the World Economic Forum annual meeting of the Global Future Councils. Ida Aachen is a young global leader and member of the Global Future Council on Cities and Urbanization of the World Economic Forum. So what is the benefit of owning things? It's very simple. Things that you own, you put a higher value on if you bought them with your own labor, your own money that you earned at a job. Not money that you inherited, not money that the government gave you as part of a stimulus check or welfare or any other handout, right? If you work for that money and you bought it, you are much more likely to take care of it, to protect it, to enjoy it, and to consider it as having value. And value is really important in in human in the human way of thinking in our minds. If we don't value something, then we're not we're not going to do any of those things. We're going to if we don't value human life, we're going to let people die. If we don't value um, loyalty, we're going to cheat. If we don't value morality, we're going to sin. You know, it what you value matters. So, as far as your house, if you are living in a house that you're paying, making a payment on every month, or maybe you, you know, already paid it off, you're going to value that house. You're not going to want it to fall down around you. And I was thinking about, you know, poverty neighborhoods, how they're more likely to have crime, they're more likely to have falling down buildings, they're more likely to have trash on the roads, they're more likely to have shoplifting in the stores, and those stores are more likely to go out of business. Uh, And they're just more likely to be like where people who are depressed live. Like, 
because if you don't if you don't value your your neighborhood if if you're not proud of where you live you're not going to feel good living there and if you are you know living there off someone else's money you're going to you know and if you don't have any money to make it better if you can't afford to or if you're not even allowed to say do some home repairs maybe paint your your rooms make it your own there's that word own you know if you're not allowed to think of it as something that belongs to you then then why should you you know you're not going to care now you know maybe that's a broad statement maybe some people are some people do care, but I'm talking about the majority of people. The majority of people, like people who rent low-income housing, even if they're paying for it with, with their own money, they're much less likely to take good care of their rent houses. And I know this for a fact because I have friends who, who have rent properties. And they come in there and... The houses are full, you know, after the people get evicted or skip out on paying the rent, the the owner comes in, the houses are full of trash, there's holes in the wall, there's roaches everywhere, there's, you know, broken appliances, and it's like, they never, they didn't take care of the place where they lived. They didn't value it enough to fix things when they broke they didn't value it enough, you know, to try to keep it clean. And that's what I'm saying. If we don't value our own property, you know, we're not going to take care of it. And that's kind of, I think, where we got with the earth right now, too, is that people who who don't own land in, a, you know, in the world, they don't... They don't even think about the fact that they're polluting. Um, Now, of course, obviously, the people who own the factories do own the land. And they're polluting for a different reason. It's not because they lack ownership. It's because of greed. It's because they have so much ownership. So I think, you know, that's the other extreme of ownership is when you have too much then you can you can actually quit taking care of things like it's kind of a interesting way thing to think about but so what is the solution the solution is letting people have jobs and the the fact of the matter is that the the current economy we are losing jobs where Jobs are going to be turned into automated jobs and, you know, banking is going to be automated. So many things that used to require a human to do are going to be done by computers, are going to be done by machines. I mean, this has been happening for years, but it's, it's getting worse because of AI. And, you know, the thing is, we, we're not going to need so many workers So, 
instead of, you know, saying, oh, well, let's don't use AI, the solution for these people is to just pay people not to work. But that's not a solution because that means that these people are going to have no, they're going to have no ownership. They're going to have no skin in the game. They're not going to value their property. They're, it's, it's just an insane fantasy um, to think that anyone is going to be happy without something purposeful to do. And that purposeful thing is work. We're supposed to be working. No matter what you do, even if you're a mom who works from home, you are working. You're cooking, cleaning, shopping, you're changing diapers, you're, you know, decorating, you're taking care of appointments. You know, you are working. Sometimes harder than other people who don't have who do have jobs outside the home. But that your your work should give you a sense of purpose and a, a sense of, you know, um, enjoyment and, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're miserable, maybe it's because you don't realize that what you're doing is valuable and you are letting the world tell you how to feel about yourself. So don't do that. What you're doing is very important. And motherhood and being a good wife, even if you don't have kids, if, if your husband wants you to stay home and do all those things just for him, then, then great. Don't feel guilty. You, you, you're making a contribution to your husband's happiness. You are part of the partnership that you and your husband have going. And, you know, you can also serve in the community in other ways if you have extra time. If your husband doesn't, you know, have a lot of stuff for you to do, then you can, you can serve on the school board or in the church or, or whatever, you know, the local government. Or you can do gardening and you can do Meals on Wheels and just thinking of some things that people I know do who don't have jobs or they're retired. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Um, but if all you do, if all a person does is consume and just take in the stuff that the government gives them. They are going to be a dependent child who doesn't, who has no ownership. And I was thinking about that, you know, how my, my kids, before they got jobs, they had, you know, before they had their own money from working, because they, they earned money even before they got, you know, hourly paid jobs at businesses. But when they earn their own money, 
that money meant so much more to them. And I'm sure you can all relate to that idea. Once you get your own money, then you start thinking about, you know, oh, well, I don't want to spend this because I worked hard for this money. And, you know, sometimes kids don't make good decisions but of how to spend their money. <laughs> like my son spent $170 on a pair of used Nikes off of eBay. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't ask me my my advice on that purchase. Obviously, I would have told him, no, don't do that. But, you know, to him, that was worth it. And he, he, you know, was happy with that purchase. He, that's something he wanted to do with his money. Now, if I had just gone out and bought him a pair of Nikes for $170 and said, here, it just would not have had the same value that it does when you buy it yourself. When you own something, when you pay off your car and you own that car, what a great feeling that is, you know? When you own your house, I mean, some people, some people, you know, they they only get like a 15 or 20 year loan on their house because they want to pay it off quickly. And I understand that, you know, not having that payment and knowing that that's yours, nothing, you know... No bank is going to take it from you because you missed a payment or something like that. You know, it's yours. Of course, if you don't pay your property taxes, that's another whole topic, then, yeah, they could take it from you. But um, I just think our kids today, our young people, are being brainwashed into thinking that owning things is bad because they, they're literally de- trying to destroy the whole concept of capitalism and why I don't think that um, unrestrained, immoral amounts of profit, greed, um, you know, sweatshops, uh, a few people. Sorry about the rooster. He's pretty excited today. I don't think that just a very small number of people should own all the property, but the fact that 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 even exists shows you that ownership is a, you know, it's a good thing. Because why? Those people that own most of the the land and the resources and the businesses, what we call the capitalist, um, they also they own all the they have all the power, and that's why you know communist communists use that as an excuse that. The capitalism is bad. But the thing is, leftist policies actually make greed and unrestrained power like that possible. If the corrupt corporatist would not intervene in the markets the way they do, you would not have, you know, nearly as many monopolies. I mean, we have laws against monopolies. It wouldn't be right if, if you know, one of my kids owned all the toys and the others, you know, were not allowed to play with them. You know, I mean, there has to, that's why you, you need God in a society. One of the reasons. I mean, really the only hope for our world right now, which, I mean, we all, we all know that the world is going to come to an end, 
But if the world is going to last any, any longer, is for people to restrain their greed. And the, that's what the Bible teaches us, is that you know we are to care about other people. We're to love other people. So just because you own something doesn't mean that you, you know, lord it over other people or, you know, you don't get stingy. The more stuff you own, yeah, you help the other people become homeowners too. You help the other people. You make, you build businesses. You, you buy from each other. And that's how the market is supposed to work. Is that everyone can be prosperous and everyone can own their own stuff not so that one person can rent it out to everyone else. That's, that's the company store, and we know how that goes. I mean, look at how expensive everything was when the plantation owner was the one who owned everything. The people were slaves. And, and I'm afraid that that's where we're headed back to is, is global slavery pretty much think that that's what the Bible is describing when um, in the book of Revelation and other other books where they talk about Babylon and they talk about, you know, there were slaves, there was all these goods and stuff being produced, but there were so many slaves. So if you look at Roman history, that's what you had then too, was you had most of the people were slaves and then you had the, the leisure class and the, the, the wealthy people. So that's why it's so important that we teach our kids about entrepreneurship and about, you know, saving money in the bank so that you can afford to own things like your own house, your own land, your own... Because if you own your own land then you have freedom to do what you want on that land. You can build a shop. You can grow a garden. You can do work. And, you know, no one is stopping you from doing that right now. But if things keep going the way they're going with, with these leftists, they're going to they are going to enact laws that will make it very hard for anyone to do anything on land without paying extreme taxes or without, you know, buying licenses or they may just say no completely because and they're going to use climate, you know, as an excuse. But it's really just it has nothing to do with climate. It's all about restricting ownership and, and um, keeping the money in the hands of a few people. So that's why we have to vote for pro-capitalist, um, you know, politicians. Even though, yeah, even though there's going to be some inequalities, there's still going to be opportunities but if we if we keep voting for these socialist policies the opportunities go away yeah you may have more equality as far as everyone may be getting money from the government but your ability to go start your own business or own your home or make decisions about your life that is going to be taken away 
And, you know, some people may listen to this and they might say, well, I don't have that anyway. Well, that's, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you're in a bad position, but you right now, you can still make choices to do something about that. You can go get training to get a better job. You can go to college. You can get a small business loan. You can do a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of jobs available right now. And, you know, it's conservatism has always been about individual responsibility, personal responsibility, um, personal freedom. And the, the two things go together, personal, your freedom and your comes with responsibility. And if you own nothing, yeah, you're not going to be responsible for it. Like if people who rent a house, they normally do, are not responsible for repairs, and a lot of people like that. Some people, that's they would prefer to rent because they don't want to have to worry about, you know, buying a new roof or whatever. But for most people, renting has gotten so expensive that it's, it's almost become impossible to afford housing. And it's going to keep going like that. It snowballs. Like, like if you, the, if you own a little bit, you're more likely to own more later but if you own nothing you're more likely to keep owning nothing so if you're young and you're listening to this you need to be saving up your money so you can buy something that has lasting value I'm not talking about you know wasting your money don't waste your money on on um, perishable goods are things that will expire like iPhones and clothing and food eating out and stuff like that that once you buy that it's just gone you know you can spend a thousand dollars on a iPhone and that phone is only going to last you maybe four years if you're lucky or it might get broken or lost and then what your money's just gone so instead, put that $1,000 into some kind of investment or buy something that you could resell later for more money. You know, learn about buying and selling. Um, don't buy into this, you know, owning nothing and being happy idea. It, that's a lie from the devil. So I'm going to take a pause here and I'm going to find that story about owning nothing and being happy. Be happy. Did you notice that she mentioned that some people didn't go along with these new changes and they they're not they're not being included and they have to self-supply themselves. And they live in empty and abandoned houses. That doesn't sound too good that we have a split world. She, she's got her fantasy world, but then, you know, the other people were just left out. But one thing that's missing in her, in her perfect little world there is, is any belief in... A spiritual existence 
And most of us know that God is real. Most of us know that um, this world is not all there is. And that, you know, treating other people the way we want to be treated is, is the right way to live. And, you know, we need to tell, we need to keep spreading that, that news until it's too, until we can't, until we can't do that anymore. And, and that little story where she was talking about how everything became free, that, that's such a fantasy. That's like, uh, Joe Biden saying that a $3 trillion spending bill is free because the rich are paying for it. Uh, If someone else is paying for it, that doesn't mean that it's free. It means someone else is paying for it. It means you didn't pay for it, but it wasn't free. It still had to be paid for. Well, I started recording this podcast yesterday, but I didn't, I did not post it because I wanted to do more research. And since, since then, I've learned a lot. And I've also learned that there's a lot more to learn about private property, uh, the, the concept and the, the ideas that have already been written down by smart people. Um, so I just want to add a little bit to this. One is the more I look into Klaus Schwab, the less I'm sure what to think of him. He, he may actually not be as bad as I thought. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm still investigating him. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to just assume that anyone who has a lot of videos about them is a bad guy, but then when you look into it, you find out that some of that is actually misinformation. So before I make a final decision on him, I want to study him more deeply. Um, As far as his great reset and the story that was written on the blog, that his great reset plan was actually prompted by his belief in what he calls the fourth industrial revolution and that it is going to lead to massive unemployment because of AI and automation. And he has been saying this actually for 50 years that, you know, that things are, things are coming that we need to deal with. And he, he first wrote his first book, in 1971 and he started the world economic forum and it's you know it's really not um it's not like the un or something it's a non-governmental organization so he doesn't really have as much power as some people think he does and they kind of imply that he does have all this power but really he's more like a think tank organization So I don't think we should get too upset about the things he says. Um, Kind of like an academic, basically, but with a little more power than than academics. Um, I did more studying, 
and found out that the Bible actually does say a lot about private property, work, and um, ownership and economics. And I found a really good website. It's called tifwe.org, which stands for... um, the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics. And I really recommend that website if you want to study what the Bible has to say about those topics. Um, Basically, it says that God, you know, committed the world and its resources to humans and that we were commanded to subdue it and exercise dominion over it, which is in Genesis chapter one. And then after that, when he gives the law, he talks about property ownership, theft, and various things that obviously he would not have had to make laws about if those things did not exist. And, um, you know, the fact that they're, given that we're given rules on how to manage these things instead of told not to have property ownership, that tells you that it's okay to own property. And of course we know that Marx Marx was anti-religion. So he's certainly not going to take into account what the Bible says about anything, including property. And since Marx considers property theft, we know that we we are not Marxists. So those are just a few things that I wrote about in the blog that you can find on blueskiesandgreenpastures.com and the links to all those things. So if you find this topic interesting, I, I plan on talking about it more in the future. So... Follow my podcast if you want to hear more on the topic of work and private property and um, what's going to happen in the future. Are we going to need a basic minimum income to survive because there aren't going to be enough jobs? Or are we going to find new ways for people to work and have their ownership over their lives? Only time will tell. Maybe you have some ideas. Maybe you have some thoughts on what we can do to replace the jobs that are taken by automation and AI. I'd love to hear them. Send me an email, blueskiesandgreenpasturesblog at gmail.com. And have a great day. Bye now.